0: And welcome back to Dan and Chat Podcast, where two millennials do deep dives on various topics from perceptions of society to stuff we watch on the interwebs. Uh, my name is Dan. And my name is Martin. And uh, we would like to welcome our very special guest today, Houtian. Welcome, Howtian. Hello. How are you doing? How's it going, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. And uh, as we. Like with any guest uh, we have previously, we always like to do a little bit of a background for yourself and uh, how we know you. Um, So, Martin, do you want to do? Yeah,
1: so so with Hao Tian, I knew him all the way back since high school. Technically, I met him in grade nine, but we didn't share a lot of uh, classes together. We had a couple of classes together, but he was just like a classmate. I think we started hanging out and talking more in, we talked a little bit more, I think it was grade 10 and 11 from like one class. But then I think yeah. we started getting uh, much closer when uh, we were roommates in undergrad. So from high school <laughs> all the way through undergrad, which was like another, like what, four or five years, whatnot. And, yeah. I, I
2: don't know if you remember how uh,
1: we even became roommates in university.
2: It was uh <laughs> interesting story i think it was uh me and one other guy who were looking for two other people yeah. to room with and i don't actually know how we ended up with uh the group that we did but uh yeah that is out. true
1: i think i'm trying to remember because holy shit it's been a while i feel old we were i think we found out that we were also going to waterloo right yeah and, yeah and then we're seeing. okay well at least we know each other it's better than like with a rando so yeah very true yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's how it went. And then, so the four of us who decide, who ended up being roommates in the, our first year, we were all from the same high school. Right. right. It was just a little bit easier to, to arrange rather than having a potentially bad rando roommate. And that was interesting. And then, and then after undergrad, we all moved out of um, I guess the university residence and we found like a, a five person apartment where you and I didn't. Sorry, you and I did not. we not roommates, right? Yeah, we didn't start off as roommates. It was yes. like starting from was a second year. No, third.
2: I think it was third year, right? Because uh, I stayed in the. I was your neighbor for one year. That's <laughs> right. You were my neighbor. And we were roommates yes. for the remainder of our uh, universe.
1: I, so in my head, I can't remember if it was a year year or if it was just because you had like a co-op term and then you came back. So it's technically the yeah. same year, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's been a hot minute. Holy smokes! <laughs> just thinking back, I'm like, oh my gosh. But yes, we were either neighbors or roommates throughout yeah. most of uh, most of our undergrad. Besides, I guess when you had your co-op terms at
0: like, yes. various places. So how's the end, it's time to spill the tea a little bit. How was Martin as a roommate? Give him a rating out of ten. Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to say this on,
2: on recording. <laughs> no, Martin. I think Martin was great as a roommate. You know, we we shared a lot of uh, similar interests. Um, you know, by similar interests, I mean video games, <laughs> and yeah, video games. But yeah, I mean, the five of us were. Uh, we were talking about like the later parts of university where we were me, Martin, and um, the three others that stayed at that residence building for like better part of three years um, and uh, it was good all of us were, were great friends uh, I think we had some really good uh, university roommate experiences there
0: <laughs> oh because yeah. in a previous episode that's about to air Martin had some gripes about roommates I don't know if- uh, I think he's oh. talking about
2: when we had the um, sublets right because uh, a lot yeah. of us were on the clock program where we would be off uh, working somewhere for four months or whatever and we had to sublease our um, rooms to other people and who we were not as familiar with Uh, so Uh, there were some uh, interesting stories coming out of those
0: Ooh, i want to share one (laughs) uh, i don't know i feel
2: like martin will be better at this than me um he has he has the juicier stories i feel like i'm I'm usually not there that's why i don't actually know the details Uh, yeah when these things
1: happen was there ever a time you were there, at Leicester, and I wasn't?
2: Um, I'm sure there was, but I mean, like, all of the the
1: juicy stories that you yeah. had were terms where I was not there. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah, what yeah, I did. Some pretty
0: pretty bad roommates. Those were some pretty bad ones. Yeah, yeah. So having lived with each other, what if you were to give each other a piece of advice, like moving forward as they live with other people in the future? What's the one advice you would give each other?
2: Yeah, you know, apart from try to pick roommates that you know well and would be really good, because when when it comes to like random people that you don't know, there's you know not much that you can do if you end up um, with a bad bad draw.
0: You two are too nice to each other. My goodness. I'm like,
1: (laughs) no, I think Houtian was a great roommate. (laughs) (laughs) The awkward. Yeah, I don't think I had that many gripes, or if any, really. I'm like, he was clean. He wasn't overly loud. Uh, My room is actually, so in the unit, my room is actually right next to his. So, and the walls aren't that thick. Yeah. I mean, we could hear each other when we were gaming and screaming. Yes. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. Who can't hear Martin
0: when he's gaming and gaming? He he screams like a, like a wild chimpanzee when we're playing games together.
1: (laughs) Definitely not true.
0: I could, if I was in the basement, (laughs) if there was a basement in the building of yours and Martin was playing on like the third floor, I can probably still hear him through the walls.
1: You could probably hear me, but I wasn't that loud. It was fine. I was pretty tame. He's pretty loud. (laughs) Definitely not true. You
2: keep telling yourself that Mark.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you heard it here
0: first, folks. Pretty tame. Pretty tame. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I don't know. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't really imagine much else. I think it was pretty pretty solid. I think the only thing would be maybe like different uh, schedules in terms of like when we sleep or not sleep or when we need to cook or not cook. But even, like, even for dinners, we cook together majority of the time, I would say. Not all the time, but most of the time. And I think that was fine.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I missed that about, um... Uh, Good times, you know, man. University life.
0: Yes. Oh. Cooking by yourself is boring. <laughs> oh. what, what would be, like, your go-to get-together meals when you cook together? If you had to, like, say, do something really easy, really fast, what's, like, the... Or even the most fun one. Pick your, pick your choose those noodles. categories. noodles just noodles? noodles yeah, <laughs> <Instant> noodles or- <laughs> yeah I mean, if you're talking about fast then of yeah course.
1: <laughs> like a lot of unhealthy but fun times with instant noodles i think
2: but, but but mind you our instant noodles was like you know fancier it wasn't it was just like dunk man. dunk water in the packaging
0: and it, it you got a piece of spam on there cheese yeah. <laughs> got the sausage yeah. in. yeah Like goodness some, some vegetables you know yeah wow it's <clears throat> a so luxurious <laughs>
1: what else did we? we we made fried rice a number of times. It was Yeah, um, that's also
0: fairly easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Easy. and um, quick I forget if Martin was the one that stole rice from somebody. I did steal rice from somebody. <laughs> I, I don't think Houchin was there though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard of this. So, it's okay. probably not
1: from me. I think I might have told you before. So, anyways, basically did you there was steal from? Um it was one of the roommates. Uh, I don't want to name names, but the, it was one of the roommates that I think was in our friends, one of our friends' rooms. Our friend that was girl that is on the far side, the, you know, the lonely room? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You have yeah, those yeah, four yeah. on one side. It's <laughs> one of the, that's yeah. by themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. someone living in her room at that time. Okay. And she brought a bag of rice. Okay. Right. And then I so happened ran ran out of rice. So I asked one of our other roommates. I'm like, hey, I'm out of rice. Do you mind if I use yours? He's like, yeah, I barely eat the rice anyways. Go ahead. Um, I saw the bag there and I'm like, well, I I guess this is it. So I've been eating from it. And then near the end of the term, that roommate, that sublet was like, hey, do you know what happened to the rice? Because it's like, I start off the term with it being full. And now it's like almost half gone. And I'm like, I haven't been eating that much rice. And I'm like, it, is it that one? <laughs> and I pointed to the bag. She's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I thought this was our other roommates who said that I could eat from it. And he's like, oh, i oh, a bag of rice. But yeah, I, I totally mistaken the wrong one. She's like, oh, uh, don't worry about it.
0: Was yeah, there okay, another I'm, bag of um, rice at them?
1: Yeah, so he had another bag of rice, but his was like stored in like, I don't know, like a different cupboard or something. But it was stored elsewhere. I just, I just made a, a bad assumption. <laughs> yeah well i mean
2: at least at least well, if she found out at the end of the term she really wasn't eating that much rice but yeah like as long as you just replaced it for her
1: it's... yeah yeah she
2: did, did you but, end up replacing but... it for
1: her no i think it just gave her money because it was near the end of the term anyways and she and was, was like bad. going away like going back to whatever or, or um co-op or something yeah so i'm just like oh shit, you know what here just just take the
0: money and sorry my bad again martin the bad roommate the well, loud you know what? thief I Yo, if, we're about, <laughs> if we're talking about
2: rice, we're talking about thieves.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, we have Ooh, one spill spill <laughs> some tea. Let's go. I,
1: again, it's with one of our random sublets, and it's I, to this day I don't I don't quite get why, but there would be things that, that would go missing, right? Uh, okay. What was the first thing? My mouse. You, sl-
0: you stole? They stole your mouse? mouse? Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, why you can tell that story because i i don't remember the most stories as like how do you know it's that guy though versus somebody else
1: i mean it's it's kind of like he
2: would take things and then he wouldn't do a very good job of like just hiding the fact that he took it like he he was using it in his room like wow and it's not a it's not a um, like you know a, an apple mouse or something that anybody could have it's like a, a razor gaming mouse. so I mean first of all it's a fair coincidence that we have the exact same one but also it's like you know I could tell it was mine because it had like certain scratches and stuff on, on it um, in certain places yeah. it wasn't hard to uh, identify but yeah it was the hell did you call him out on it I called him out on it, but obviously he's not going to admit to it. Um, And so that's messed up. Yeah. It's just like we didn't, we never had a culture of locking our our suite doors. Um, But since that guy moved in, I think we
0: were all a little more careful with locking our doors when we leave, Um, which is unfortunate. I, I would just be like, yo, like, do you need money to buy one? Like, I will fork you over 20 bucks to buy something with Amazon or something. No, that definitely wasn't it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it wasn't it. He's uh, like a serial,
0: <laughs> call him a like a yeah.
2: serial petty theft <laughs> within oh, the suite kind of guy.
0: So he stole your mouse, which is completely messed up. That's pretty messed up. Yeah. Like, what and else? Obviously. What else? What kind of other small things do he steal from you folks?
1: The thing I remembered from me was I owed one of our roommates money. Uh, because they paid for like my bubble tea or something like that. So it was around 5 or $10. I don't remember the exact amount. So that person was away at class. And so I just left the uh, money on the, the kitchen table. Right. And I was, so it, it wasn't like that person was the only one there. I think myself, I was in that unit for like, I was still in the building or in the room for some time. Um, and someone else was there, but anyways, I left it on the table and then I texted my room. It's like, Hey, I left you the, the money on the table. Go, go pick it up in case I need to go to class or whatever. I think I go and they come back and they're like, uh, so where's the money? I'm like, it's, it's on the kitchen table. Our kitchen table is pretty clean. There's like just maybe a tissue box on it. Right. It's, it's hard for the money to just go away. And at, again, at all times during that day, there was somebody in the unit, right? Including. The guy whom I'm assuming took it. But anyways, it disappeared. Money doesn't just walk off the table. So I've been asking around, so, hey, did anyone see it? Like, it's a kitchen. It's not a big kitchen table. Did anyone see like the $10 or whatever? And everyone's like, no, oh no, no, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, where did it just like roll off the table or something? <laughs> like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. So I complain around it. And I'm like I, like, I know the other roommates were our friends. And I know they wouldn't take it. I mean, it's just 10 bucks or whatever they wouldn't take it right or if they took it by accident they'd be like, oh sorry i didn't know whose it was so i took it and then they would give it back i'm like i trust all of them 100 he was the only odd factor and then after i complained for a while i'm like okay well whatever like i know he did it there's no one else who would take it but i had class so i left for class uh came back it was back like on the table and and then i'm just like <laughs> like the fuck but i'm like okay whatever i mean it's i got it back so i, I took it and i personally handed it to my other roommate so okay. now now they got so it so at but... least there
0: was a happy ending there you got your money back and i assume you had yeah to which is weird which is yeah. weird like he actually gave it back like
1: yeah it's weird it's... but like i don't want to stand the thought process because how do you get away with something that yeah you know, we're uh, all yeah. in the same room <laughs> no one literally broke into our apartment took like the 10 <laughs> or 20 dollars and left because there's someone there the entire time who know. else would have taken it? <laughs> like, how do you get away with that? Like, how do you, how can you imagine getting away with that?
0: Like, when you're younger, maybe it's just innocence. You do, you do petty theft from your, between your friends in elementary school, or whatever. But, like, at the age of, like, ripe age of 18, 20 year old, years old, you would you would assume that you'd have.
2: Oh, it's intentional know. for sure. You it's know? not like a.
0: <laughs> but it's like, yeah. Like, what goes to your mind that you have to steal to get what you need or, like, you know um i don't know It just it's it just blows my mind like what at what point did your folks at home fail you so hard that you don't know how not to steal <laughs> and if you need something well just ask for it you know like do you need te- like ask for 10 bucks you know i might spare it for you i might not always say yes but you know just ask i don't know even no do, idea do you folks know where he's at in life right now or uh no idea no no, no none of us
2: really talked to him after a yeah. right obviously yeah.
1: um um yeah, it limited our
0: interaction with this guy as much as we can yeah has he like reached out to you folks like post like no UD? no no not even post no that. we barely knew we we, we yeah. barely knew the guy he, he was like 100% random wow yeah, yeah. no that, that's i don't know man like maybe it's financial struggles maybe it's something else but bro like Stealing is not the way. No, I I don't think it was financial
1: troubles. Like he dressed fine. He had like a computer. He played video games on his
0: computer. Uh, If you can afford video games, you're not that. You're not that poor. (laughs) Wow. Well, speaking of finances, I think one of our topics that we did want to discuss today was personal finances. Um, You know, what was your? I know financial literacy is one of those things that um, folks say that schools have failed to teach our children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How was your uh, personal financial literacy uh, growing up and compared to say when you had or your knowledge from university or in high school, uh, how has that changed uh, from then and now?
2: Yeah, I I would say I agree with the statement that the school systems have failed in terms of uh, teaching financial literacy. But also, I you know this might be a conspiracy theory or whatever. But I feel like the they, people intentionally don't teach that stuff in school. We can go into a whole other discussion about you know how why I think the school system is the way it is right now. But, I mean, we have
0: time. Why don't you why don't you go into it and then see what we can just deep dive from there?
2: Well, sure. I think um, how I see it is that the. Sorry about the ringing there. Um, I think the school systems today are are molded by the way that uh, society has evolved over time. Um, you know, back in the day when education was not widely available, the universities were a place where only the people who truly wanted to learn and study things went to, right? And then the professors would lecture, and you would sit there and listen to them. So there wasn't anybody there because they were forced to be there. But that's not the case today. Today, the school system is, it's, it's necessary for you to do anything in life uh, for the most part. I mean, sure, there's cases like the amazing startup founders who go on to make billions and conquer the world <laughs> and stuff. But for the vast majority of people, it's uh, go through the schooling system, get your degree, get a job, your nine to five right so yeah that's why they don't teach you anything about finance unless you go looking for that sort of thing and even I don't know if you can actually take a course in university or high school that's actually teaching you about financial literacy it's like you can take economics or um, you know business but it, it more teaches you about the mechanics of those things and not how to manage your money So um, that mostly falls to the parents, right? And the issue with that is if the parents are not good at managing their finances, they're not going to teach their kids how to manage their finances either.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think like, you're thinking you're right in terms of going to university almost seems like it's a rite of passage in life now where it's not no longer a, mm -hmm. you know, an optional thing that you can do if you want to go into certain careers is like you must have it to do the mass majority of basic careers. Right. right. And not just say university is the only pathway, so colleges and other things, but either way, all those are still financial barriers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think even to be like something as simple as a
1: sanitary engineer or a custodian or garbage man or a farmer, you need a college degree, right? You need to take whatever course you need to pass in. probably right. some kind of exam. Yeah. So I, I do see that, um, that kind of playing in
0: there. Yeah. And I think I do agree with H- what Haltien said earlier in terms of uh just as a necessity as well. I think well I said they mentioned that, but it has become a necessity, right? In post post nineteen fifties, folks could easily walk into some sort of place and land a job and be, you know, well paying off. And yeah. uh cost of cost of living is so significantly lower. Right. For us as working millennials at this time, we're probably looking towards purchasing um, our first homes, uh, and they're so expensive, right? Even a small box in downtown Toronto is like, what, six hundred, seven hundred thousand uh, dollars 700000 Uptown, you can get maybe a, a, a slightly larger box uh, for around the same price, and it's so disproportionately higher than the inflation rate. Um, but capitalist society, right? Uh, if you don't... <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what to to make of it all but i never took economics in high school so i know how they were just talking about mechanics and whatnot um what was your experience in in terms of uh financial literacy in high school uh slash your upbringing martin i'm thinking back to high school i think i did take economics
1: just because i'm like all right maybe i should learn about money i did enjoy the class found it very boring <laughs> um yeah. because i don't think i i don't think it was practical information that i was getting is more like the theory uh, yeah it wasn't
2: it wouldn't taking those courses wouldn't have taught you how to manage money yeah Um,
1: like we learn things like supply and demand curves and so on but it's not like what's important when it comes to your own money that you need to manage right yeah things like thinking about investments like personal investments right i don't i don't think i did did not get that in high school university definitely did not take any financial related courses Maybe I should have. Maybe there was a course out there. I didn't really check. I already had my my required courses that I need to take in undergrad. So I just focused on that. And anything extra was, I guess, like recommended courses or complementary courses to my required ones. So, which was like, again, just psychology and science. And that's kind of where my inter- personal interest was anyway. So I, no, I did not take any financial courses. How did I learn about it? I learned about it from talking with some friends who did take finance and they had uh, maybe a better knowledge. Uh, a lot of is talking with my parents as well as like how Tian pointed out, like, okay, so like, what are stocks? What are some good stocks that you guys buy? As in like my parents, like things like mutual funds, like investments, what's kind of smart, what's not so smart. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I think, so this was most of the talk with my parents was usually, I think it was started around like second or third year. And then it kind of grew after I graduated because I'm like, I need to manage my money now. I need to find a job. (laughs) That's important if I want to afford like a house or whatever, right? So that kind of just grew from, I guess, my own personal learnings. Again, more discussions with family and friends, maybe coworkers as well. Nothing too personal, like with my coworkers that they're not comfortable talking about, but just enough that's like, oh, well, you know, like what kind of banks or things they use. And that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's just a little bit of knowledge kind of like pieced from like all these different places. Yeah. Um, I, I'm by no means very knowledgeable. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I would not say that about myself. Yeah. I, I yeah, that's fair uh, for myself. I didn't have much financial literacy as well. I think this is all like all the stuff that I know has been the accumulation of the, like last three to four years. Right. So like early 20s, then kind of figuring it out. And it, it was hard because my folks were just, uh, I'm just first generation here. My folks were just, you know, they immigrated, you know, a couple of decades, a few decades ago. And uh, they're, you know, we grew up pretty low middle income and they didn't really have much knowledge in terms of investment. So um, I didn't have the same opportunities as you folks, not as bashing as you folks. I'm just saying, like, I just didn't have that in terms of my own knowledge base. So I, did, I was missing a lot of that. But what I did take in high school that I think, uh, did help in terms of kind of organizing my own fantasies now is taking accounting I think accounting is one of those things that I did actually appreciate but I took it in summer school I didn't take it in regular high school but being able to manipulate a, ba- a balance sheet figuring out how to organize it doing cell work I think that was pretty valuable in terms of managing debts understanding what debts, uh, debits are what credits are and pretty much managing money from a like a pseudo company, like a, a simulation, uh, was helpful in terms of building up uh, how to manage and organize your finances. So I can't speak on economics, but I think accounting is, I think in my opinion, valuable. I'm not sure if you folks do accounting.
1: No, That's a nope <laughs>
0: for <from> me. <laughs> I thought it was handy. So besides personal personal finances, I'm sure we're all like doing stocks right now and all the jazz and different types of investments. And I think there's has been a giant spur since the pandemic started in terms of investments, right? Where previously millennials and everyone else would uh, spend their money elsewhere on frivolous goods and cons- like on uh, services, vacations, whatnot. Yeah, they start like amassing this sudden wad of cash in their pocket because they're not allowed to go anywhere, <laughs> right? And so we're seeing oh, a giant surge in terms of people going to investments, you know, shown by that uh, GameStop uh, surge, all the stock prices going way up since pandemic started. So maybe uh, the pandemic would like it would be a trigger in terms of you know helping the next generation build a better knowledge base, right? Because as millennials start having children themselves, right, hopefully their children will have a better knowledge base. And considering what we are the largest population in the nation right now, maybe we will we'll be better in the future. But if you had the option, right, if you were to, if you had the powers. Of the education institutions, at what age would you try to incorporate financial literacy and how might you approach it if you had power over the education industry? Or would it be something you mandate at home, right? It's like parents, here's a package, you have to do it according to government. Would you go about like that?
2: I don't think that would work. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> always, how would you enforce that sort of thing um, if not through the school system? Um,
0: okay, let's say uh, I, have a, uh, I have a bursary or something. It's like, hey, if you do this, if you do this course on financial literacy, the government will put 200 bucks towards your post-secondary education.
2: Yeah, but then they want to, if they're spending that kind of money, they want to make sure that it's at least done right. If they were serious about it, they wouldn't trust the individual parents to do the teaching, I think. Mm-hmm. If if that, was, uh, if that was a thing, they would probably just hire teachers and say that if you attend these courses, then we can give you these uh, right. reimbursements.
0: So right now, careers is, I think, the avenue in which high schools are going about introducing financial literacy, but... I, from my understanding, from what I hear from others, it's very bare bones. But would do you think high school is the right place to start in terms of financial literacy, or would you start younger?
2: Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I think, you know, and, and to, to go back to the previous part a little bit, I never actually got any sort of formal or informal, for that matter, instruction from school or my parents on managing money. It was more just the... Only thing that I knew were like the core principles of like money is hard earned and you can't like, you can't just spend it carelessly. Right. So those are core principles that were taught to me very well throughout my childhood and and beyond that. But in terms of like, you know, how to, how to invest, how to use savings accounts and any of that, um, neither, neither of my parents taught me that. And I think, I relate to you, uh, Dan, when you said that I picked up most of my own financial literacy within the past five years, and it was through work um, when there were a few people on the teams that I was working on who were into the like investments and finance and were very knowledgeable, and they were educating the rest of us um, on, like, hey, why you should do the RSP matching, why you should uh, try to fill up your TFSA. And I remember for the first time that I was hearing this guy talk, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it was. Uh, and so talking to this guy, I think, yeah, I could consider this coworker a, a mentor of mine uh, when it comes to the financial literacy thing. He introduced me to a good book. Called rich dad poor dad it's uh, apparently a very good starter book to anybody who's um you know interested in learning more about this kind of topic what's it called again Uh, rich dad poor dad Dad,
0: Dad, uh,
1: okay
2: by a man called robert kiyosaki and i think you know his other books i've kind of taken a look into and not really gotten into any of them but this book i felt like was a a very good book for a beginner just like mindset of um managing money and investments and that sort of thing so that that was what started me down this journey so that was a bit of a tangent but i actually think that to put it into the school system wouldn't actually be very effective because one of my regrets actually is not taking the school system more seriously i don't know if you guys have felt this way but looking back now There were a lot of courses in high school and university where i was doing it because of the way the school system is now i was doing it because it was necessary and not always doing it because um, i wanted to right obviously there were courses that i was more interested in and so i invested more into Um, but looking back i feel like there were courses that at the time I was like, not very interested in, um, but I felt like if I had put in a little more effort, I would have came out with a little more as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that if this was if financial literacy, money management was, um, like a required course in university, I probably would have treated it like English or something yeah. <laughs> I just, like, did the work to pass the
0: course and not really came out with it too much, but yeah, that's, that's just what I think. It's true. Um, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And then I think I think that is one of the arguments is that no matter what you try to throw at kids, you know, because of how forced it is on anyone, it's like reading a book, right? You throw a novel at a kid, it can be the best book in the world. And the moment you throw it and say, here's work attached to this book, it becomes the worst oh, yeah. thing ever. Absolute yep. most atrocious thing, vile thing that's ever touched the like, you know, face of the earth it's true right and when you force things on people they tend to resent it right because it's not something they chose to do or chose to Mm -hmm. explore yeah yeah Yeah.
1: they're they're not gonna want to do it right i think it's tough i think it's really a tough problem because i definitely agree as well that it's like if you make it a mandatory thing then all of a sudden it's just like oh there's just more work they have to do yeah even there's like like even there's books in certain courses like whether it's an English course or whatever and it might be a really good book and I feel like I have taken courses where there are good books that were recommended to us whether it's um, from English or from a psychology book that was actually like an interesting book but as soon as it has the label of textbook it's like oh fuck this shit man (laughs) never touch it it's gonna get dusty in the corner if I even buy it or if I uh, find you know those free PDFs up there right Right, exactly. Um,
2: you, you don't take it seriously. And yeah.
1: If you have to read it for an assignment, you read the section that was assigned, yeah. and not or the rest or, or of it. Or right? you find
2: cliff notes of it. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> right? those, yeah.
1: Yeah. But it's a, bit, it's a shame, though, because you only realize that afterwards. It's like, oh, shit, that was, that was actually a really good book. Probably should have paid more attention. I think... Yeah, if there's a way to maybe, not necessarily make it mandatory, but like a, a highly recommended course, regardless of what faculty, what department that you study, like you could be art, science, psychology, yeah. uh, computer science, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? Engineering, doesn't matter. It's like a recommended book, then, yeah. then maybe people will pick it up and, you're right, you're not gonna get everybody. There's still gonna be people who be like, I don't care about this. But- Yeah, that's true, yeah. But there will be people who, who will be like, you know what? Maybe this is kind of important, right? and especially those who grew up in maybe environments where money was more important. Right. right. I think, well, speaking for myself, I've been lucky where um, I grew up in an environment where I'm not, I guess hurting in terms of financially, but there could be people who are like, they need to figure out and count the numbers to make sure, you know, everything's on track. So sure. yeah. I think for those, those people, or anyone really who's interested, then maybe they'll, they'll be exposed to it more and have mm. the option to choose to pick up yeah. that book or whatever
2: yeah i think i think that's a good point if you make it optional and maybe you know market it to the parents in like your school newsletters that this is a course that it's being offered and you know maybe that would push some parents to have a chat with their their kids and mm-hmm. enroll them in the course
1: oh yeah and to answer your question your initial question sorry to cut you off hatian yeah. no, no no it's all okay. High school, I think, is not a bad idea. I think it's a pretty good idea because I think a lot of people start getting part-time jobs in high school and they start learning that value of money. Yeah. I personally didn't, because I was a a lazy turd (laughs) (laughs) in high school. But I I do have a lot of friends who did. Mm. And it didn't hurt, right? Like when they're like, oh man, I have to work this afternoon or on a weekend. I'm like, that sucks. But then afterwards, they're like, yo, I got this new video game or whatever with my money. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, <laughs> uh, right? So I think money starts becoming a a more important thing, mm. not for every student, but I think there are a number of students who start learning its value uh, a little better. So I think high school is not a bad start, maybe grade 11 or 12, so near the end of high school, where they're about to graduate and be independent. And I say air quote independent because not all of them are, but right. for a lot of people, they do have to be more independent afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh so yeah, I think high school is...
0: Not a bit. Yeah. Here's the rub, right? We oh. see why financial literacy is so important now considering we're paying big boy bills, right? That's the biggest, biggest thing of why we're pushed to that court in the first place because we have to start looking at these finances. We have to start thinking about these things as we look towards building, buying our first home, perhaps starting a family, slash looking at retirement, right? All these factors are coming into play. For kids, that's just not in their realm of vision right now, right? Yeah. Their immediate goal is where, when can I buy the newest gadgets, or uh, how can I help with family, or how am I going to save up for university, right? That's not these personal finances; these decisions are not in their immediate realm of vision. Or if, even for kids, these are for kids who are working, right? For kids who aren't working, they're just chilling around, just worrying about different things. As well, we talk about how we make we can make a course for it, right, and. For for us who grew up in Chinese households, and same with Hatia and my family. Chasing Chinese? Are, are you stereotyping Chinese people? No, man. Uh, East <laughs> East Asian. Man. I don't know. For all, anyways, <laughs> speaking for us who are Chinese, firstly, um, yeah, it was, I was taught to just save money all the time. But above all else, us as Asian Canadians growing up in the school system, we were expected to take the Asian six pack, right uh, oh. towards the end of high school. <laughs> Okay, before we go into this, Martin and, I, Martin and I always argue about this, but Haotian, what is your take on the Asian six-pack in high school? I didn't take it. I didn't take the sciences. no! Oh, no, no but so, but, but what, what, is, what, what is it? How we yeah, define, define it in your it opinion? In your opinion. Yeah. It's the three sciences and the three maths, right?
1: Okay. So, <laughs> it, there's a bit of bias here because we went to the same high school. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. So Haotian, I found out after talking with Dan and some other folks, that yeah. their definition of Asian six pack is different. Different? Okay. Yeah. Okay. What is uh, it for you guys? I-, I will let Dan explain.
0: So, it's it, like my definition has kind of been like rocky ever since we started this conversation because it's it's a long time coming. We've been having this yeah. conversation Your life's
2: been a lie. Kind
0: of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually Asian. <laughs> I know. It's like, what am I? Am I? Am I actually not Asian? Question mark. Okay, so I think I agree now with in terms of the sciences and maths. I do, I do agree with it, but in a high school year, you take eight courses, right? So I think as well is also supplementing the six with the highest or with the courses that could that are considered bird courses. So in my high school, it was something like music where you're pretty much guaranteed a hundred percent. And that was a university level course that can count towards your top six to round off your mark a little bit. So in my world view it's like i think two sciences two maths and uh two of the highest highest uh like the, the most birdie courses as possible or it's whatever's required for your program and then the most birdie courses as possible right that was my take on i, I it. think
2: you're talking about the six courses that you submit on your university application and yes. not the six courses that asian people at our school typically take um, yeah so- because the submission is the same for us. It's, um, you know, depending on your program, you submit some required courses and then some other courses that have like really high marks. Right. Um, so that that part's the same, I think. So maybe
0: it's just like a different yeah um, I don't
2: application know. of
0: the term. Well, I mean, for sure. I just think music, I don't know why, but when I think Asians expect music is always in there for some reason just because of how birdie I was at high school anyways. Maybe things have changed, but it was almost a guaranteed 100% on your grade on your like top six folks dan isn't actually asian he's actually caucasian wow I I this white. guy is throwing out these <laughs> wild delusional guy, like, shit starter <laughs> <laughs> okay but going back to the topic though right yeah. we're ex- like we people are expected to take this this asian six pack or there's an expectation for you to take all these courses right I think kids today are already thinking about, oh, man, I want to make sure I have the most roads open to, available to me. I'm I have to not take some courses, even though I like it, because I want to make sure that these roads are open. So with that in mind, I find it highly unlikely that kids will take this course, especially if we put it in a range of grade 11, grade 12, uh, when like their whole timetable is built around their chosen pathway or chosen university or whatever there's no room to take this financial literacy course, right? That's not as useful for them right now. It might be, right? Long-term might be actually very useful, but in the immediate short-term vision, I don't think that's in their range of vision. That's true. Maybe not grade 12, because yeah. thinking back, I think everyone was just trying to cram and
1: get ready for university. Yeah. Maybe grade 11, but some of the more keener students are already prepar- like preparing in grade 11. Uh, but then I think... I think grade 10 might be too early you know because you're everyone's still just like chilling in high school and just yeah. i don't know what sorry what you were saying Hatian?
2: uh no no worries um you know you brought up the fact uh that we all had a fairly asian upbringing and um we went to a fairly asian centric i don't know about you dan did you yeah, go to the-
0: yeah our the school was operation? uh had a wide population of East Asians. We had yeah. so our largest populations were East Asian and South Asian, and white folks were like practically non-existent. You can count them with your on your fingers. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think we had
2: a, a bit more white folks than that, but yeah, still predominantly Asian people in our schools. Yeah. So the Asianness does affect how effective any sort of program like this would be as well. I think because right there is that sort of upbringing from our parents and our families about what we should do and I know it's stereotypical that well, Asian parents just want you guys to be like doctors and lawyers which is not untrue like the stereotypes come from a place of truth right for the most part you um engineers. and engineers um <laughs> you know. so you're speaking to one <laughs> but uh you know I, I think in my case it's, it's it wasn't really that it was uh something that I chose. Um, my parents didn't really give me pressure on that on that front. Um, but in a, in a situation where a lot of the kids are sort of being told what's good for them, and for a lot of Asian households, it's get through school, um, get good marks, and then uh, have a stable job and live life, right? We're not taught to be... The one uh, outstanding and go start our own business and like we're just not taught that and if you've read any finance book the first thing that they all teach is that working nine to five is not going to make you rich um, it will never make you rich so yeah so it's kind of like contrary to what the financial literacy in the west is is taught in these books um, our upbringing it's kind of like play safe, get the good marks, do the nine-to-five job. That's why we take the Asian six-pack, because those courses will guarantee us the higher brackets of, um, you know, well-paying nine-to-five jobs, um, which are in the sciences and the maths. So, yeah, I think specifically for our population, like that kind of course might not even, you know, Asian parents might be
0: very against it, even some of them. I think that's fair, yeah. I think that's fair. I think those are all like very, very uh, fair points. I think one part of being an Asian, uh, like in our Asian upbringings, at least for me anyways, is just that it just feels like if you ever run into any challenges, you're just not working hard enough, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure.
1: It's, It's just about working hard. I think that's an interesting topic in itself, like the idea between working hard and working smart. Yeah. It was like, no, hard work. Just grind, grind all day, right? Go to Sunday school, right? Go to yeah. math class, once a week, twice a week, or multiple times a week. It's just grind, right? You keep drilling the math until you're you're good at it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of like the predominant attitude. Mm-hmm. I think it just like, feels I- like I went to math school. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, same. It just feels yeah. like at least for Chinese folks, it just feels like we're built to be workers in a company. Like we're just built yeah. to like lay the foundation yeah. down and uh, just be the Nine to five workers, as, we, as yeah. uh, uh, we say, that's just how we're built. We're just told to grind, 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 and just for the greater good of society in a way, or the company, I guess, in that scenario. And I, I kind of br- want to bring us off to one of our one of our topics is pretty much uh, mental health. Um, I, because of this grind mentality in terms of whatever shortcomings you have, it's just because you're not working hard enough. I was miserably terrible at math, uh, mathematics. I almost failed high school math. That completely goes against the stereotype, right? Because all Asians have to be good at math. Why can't you be like, you know, Kevin down the street? Why can't you be Kevin. like <laughs> such a combination? I <laughs> purposely chose no? <laughs> it. What are some other Asian names? Tiffany. Michael. 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 There's a lot of Michaels, a lot of Kevins. <laughs> Kevin. Brian's. Brian. Okay. There's a few Fair Simons too, I'd
1: find. Oh man. I-, I don't know that many. I know a couple, but not that many Asian Simons.
0: Yeah. Okay, anyways. But yeah, why can't you be like Kevin down the street? You know? Kevin Chan. (laughs) Why can't you be like that? Ho, Lee, Chan, (laughs) Chen, Wong. Kevin Wong. Wong. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And it's like, you know, today we see... From time and time again, there's this, like, giant, huge movement towards mental health. And for us, that was non-existent. It's just simply, your mental health is non-existent. If you're failing or struggling, it just means you're not working hard enough to get from point A to point B. And okay. that was, like, our kind of the tough love kind of thing that uh, brought, at least for me, it probably brought me up. It seems like kind of how, I think Martin kind of agrees from his responses. Um, yeah. You know, so... How do you think your upbringings in terms of developing mental health skills has kind of prepared you for adulting now? Because I feel like for me anyways, dealing with a lot of different issues at home, um, including just kind of navigating the whole like dodging those dating questions. I think I've, I've learned to deal with a lot of it because it has there's a lot going in my head, like a lot of times. Um self-acceptance, a lot of jazz. So there's already a lot going on there. But how have you folks, in terms of developing your mental health skills? That's um, interesting. Sorry, Hatton, you go first.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those, like, acquired skills where it's kind of unfortunate, where it's like, the more you deal with it, the more you have a chance of developing a resilience to it, or you break under that pressure. Of course, that's the other uh, possibility. But... If you had a childhood where your family is very hard on you and they have very um, tough expectations for you and you didn't break under that pressure, then you come out of it being able to deal with all the kind of bullshit that adult life has for you, I guess. <laughs> um, but if you are somebody who's never really had to worry about expectations at home, um, let's say uh, certain parents just let their kids do whatever and didn't really have sort of set any boundaries for them, then, you know, those people sort of get a rude awakening when they start their first job and realize they can't just do whatever it is they want and not have any consequences. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it. it's, I think it largely depends on the family situation and how you grew up. And how you, like, you know, how you went through school as well, right? Um, how you dealt with your your peers. Were you bullied at school and things like that? Or you, it doesn't even have to be bullying. Uh, were you the sort of unpopular kid who was sort of invisible throughout most of uh, your school life? Or were you the popular kid who, you know, everybody wanted to get to know you. So you always, uh, it's like everybody came to you. You never had to do anything, right? So. Okay
0: yeah yeah
2: so those those things all affect how
0: we deal with it later on i think Mm -hmm. i think Uh, it's so sad though right i think you're right if you live through it you survive you'll be stronger right stronger than yesterday but if you break then you're 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 fucked like right lack of better words like into adulthood you're you're gonna be a messed up broken adult who are gonna make you know poor choices or you end up in places that not gonna that's not gonna build you up for success because you're unable to deal with your issues right it really doesn't make yeah. or break it but i think it just sucks you know that that is like it's so binary like this is like these are your options yeah
1: yeah it yeah it really sucks that's kind of like where we're at because like as we know like life only gets harder from childhood so if yeah if you're already struggling and unless you get help i think that's probably the one maybe like potential saving grace if you have a good like support network or you know friends right. or family who can help you and support you right um, a little bit better then you can hopefully like bounce back and be like okay yeah a rough childhood but i can make it uh i would say that's not necessarily the most common outcome though unfortunately it's not yeah
2: because there's, there's so many things that could go wrong and i'm just thinking about like some friends that i have and their relationships with their families and you know oftentimes it's like either their family doesn't even know that they're going through certain things Hmm. or if you know you have parents who are really dead set in their ways and um, are just not really understanding of what their kid is going through and yeah yeah it's quite common
0: yeah, my whole my whole family is uh they're not we're not exactly keen on communication, any issues, you just like bottle it up, bottle it up and uh yeah. you know, smile through it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I think nowadays there's definitely more, right? There's more resources in mental health, there's more awareness. Uh, at the same time, while it's great that we're supporting folks more and starting very young in terms of developing strong mental health and really having those open conversations. I also feel like it also gives a rise to folks who are starting to excuse uh, poor choices and poor behavior as a result of mental health. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm allowed to be, you know, to be, to be disrespectful. I'm allowed to uh, make dumb things, choices because I need it for my mental health. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's just like. The pendulum sp- swings both ways, right? Where we have from zero mental health to full mental health, but there's problems that goes with uh, full mental health. I think you're
1: right. I think there's a tough balance that needs to be struck. I think mental health will always be important and should always be kind of taught and encouraged for students and, and younger folks to learn and understand. Um, that said, it shouldn't be a crutch, right? You sh- You. I think everybody needs to experience some kind of hardship in order to gain experience and learn and grow and become better, right. And stronger. I don't think it excuses that, but you're right. I think some people do use it as an excuse I heard. And I know some folks who unfortunately had some, some mental health uh, challenges uh, while growing up. And, and I don't know if I'm stereotyping again, but in uh, Asian household or East Asian households, they're not as knowledgeable about that kind of thing. So it kind of went, in my mind, like maybe one of two main ways. One is either their parents freak out and then they just spoil that, that person because they don't know how to deal with it and they just don't want to make them mad. Or they don't think it exists and they ignore it. And they're like, no, you just you just didn't work hard enough or whatever. Both of which are not good because one, you're dismissing someone who actually needs help in, in like the ignoring scenario. And then in the other scenario, you're overly coddling them to the point where they're using it as a crutch rather than trying to, develop either resilience or find a solution, right? It's like, okay, if I have this problem, it's not good, how do we solve it, right? Mm-hmm. They don't go through that process. They just let it happen and be like, oh, I'm in this mess and mm-hmm. this is where I'm at and there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. I think developing the mindset to be like, yeah, you know, people experience shit, maybe I experienced some shit, but that doesn't make it okay or it doesn't give me a free pass, right? I need to learn because the only person who can help me is me. Or who is the best at helping me is me, right? People can try to help you, but they can only can do so much. Most of the work has to be done by you. So you have to figure it out yourself. You have to do most of the hard work to figure it out yourself. And I think that's the, that's the thing that might be missing for some people. But yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you folks think about, like, especially media today, our younger kids, children media, where's, and I've seen different animes being westernized or different new shows. They're overly happy. There's no such thing as, like, hurt. There's no such thing as sadness, right? Everything is just so happy-fied. If you, know, if you catch my drift, right? Yes. Death is completely removed. I think for many kids from our age, one of the earliest experiences we have with death was with the Lion King, right? The death of Mufasa. And that was made kind of, kind of inherently very clear that he's mm-hmm. he's gone for good. Oh, and Bambi. Bambi, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, today, as part of the mental health kind of like kind of movements i think in terms of western cultures uh in our, in our produced media we're really censoring a lot of these themes right that are considered adult and they are in many ways but do you agree with you know taking away these themes for the sake of kind of not coddling per se but kind of like leaving these themes to be explored later on by the kids mm. um is it or is it better to leave these things somewhat uncensored like alala king not like Hardcore, brutal, gory, but like just having those themes of sadness, grief, and death to be in those uh, shows in order to help build resiliency in kids. I think... So, Hautien,
1: I'd love to hear your thoughts on this in a second, but I think uh, you're right in the sense that I think this goes back to a whole movement of parenting and developmental psychology. Sorry, I I took developmental psychology as a course, so they talked a little bit about this. I think back in... I'm going to throw it a year and I could be completely wrong, but I think it was like around the eighties where there was some big paper or some big research that came out. That's like, Oh, you need to, you can't be the, the tiger mom or the strict parent. You need to uh, be supportive of your child. You need to boost up the confidence. Cause there was a study that showed people who are confident when they were kids, they grew up to be much more successful, something along the lines of that I uh, could be getting it kind of off. And so there was a whole movement in parenting where uh, all the teachers and all the parents were told, oh, you know, you got to be supportive. You got to tell them uh, you're, you're the best. You're the champion, right? Uh, way to go, like champ, right? These kind of phrases start becoming a thing that parents tell their kids uh, in in effort to boost their confidence. And I think in doing that, they went a little bit overboard. They They did it too much to the point where maybe these kids are being shielded from some of the these harder lessons like death and and grief and how to overcome these things so that i guess that's that's one piece i do feel like asian at least from my own experience asian shows don't shy away from this as much Mm -hmm. like i'm just thinking about like even i think the biggest one for me was naruto Mm -hmm. like i was in grade four or whatever and i'm like holy shit that guy got stabbed with like a knife like someone threw a shuriken at him and it's in his chest now and he's bleeding and dying. I'm like, I've never seen anything like that in like Spider-Man or like, yeah. or X-Men or whatever, right? Yeah. And you also see more of like some of the struggles that even these these kids, because in Naruto, they're essentially kids, right? Yeah. Uh, the experience, like, oh, this guy got bullied. This guy's parents got killed. I'm like, oh, oh shit. Like I, in, in the back of my mind, I knew people could die in like grade four or five, but I never thought I would see it that, yeah. that in my face. And so I think it, it is interesting that, that media could have a well, I think would have a some kind of impact towards it. What kind of effect? I don't I don't know for sure. Like I can't say, yeah. but I mean some I of these see trend
0: some of these censorships were done very stealthily. Like for example, if we look at Yu Gi Oh, for example, the Shadow Realm was a very westernized created concept. Because in the past, in the first season, if someone lost a duel, they would, they would die, right? That's the that's the cost of losing the game. But they created a concept of Shadow Realm to be like kind of pr- imprisoned somewhere else as opposed to pure death. So in a way that that is kind of I mean, that is I think that was interesting that created a new twist on the show. But sometimes it's just very awkwardly removed from media uh, where it's very blatant that there was hard editing here for the sake of making it more, quote unquote, family friendly uh, for Westernized audiences. What are your thoughts, Atien? Um,
2: I think with a lot of these kinds of things, it's just about striking the right balance. And I, I actually think that that's one of the things that I've come to see more and more in a lot of things um, outside of any of the stuff that we've talked about today, like mm. politics, or you know, when you mentioned uh, there was that paper that said that you should be supportive. Well, it doesn't mean like be supportive of everything that they yeah. do and don't show any con- like you know, teach them that there are consequences and limits to things, but be supportive all the same Um, it doesn't have to be zero or 100 either way and it's the same thing here right like maybe no censorship at all is not a great idea but maybe you're right the western media companies do take it a little bit too far in the other direction um, to the point where it's like shielding children from these themes that they will have to deal with eventually they're just shielded from it for a very long time and when they do have to deal with it they're not prepared uh, maybe so yeah i don't know if asian countries do it better um so the naruto example i don't know if naruto is meant for kids necessarily i would yeah. say that it's probably still meant for like teenagers, teenagers. at the very at the very best um grade four that was, that was um, like grade wow, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so and uh I actually don't know if uh, they use a similar system over in Japan with their animes. Like, do they do they rate it um, for a certain age group mm-hmm. over there? I'm not I'm not actually sure That's about that.
0: That's a good question.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, but no. but you can be sure once it's aired on like Crunchyroll or Netflix, they do slap an American rating on it. By rated T for teen, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, rated M for mature or whatever. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think that the Western sort of media uh, i do think you're right they do shield people from a lot of more mature themes and in those scenarios again if you have uh, good parents who are willing to talk to you about a lot of these themes uh, at some point when you're growing up you'll be more prepared for them but otherwise you don't really know about certain things until later on yeah
0: i mean parenting is a whole snother episode man that like oh
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah man, I, there's so many things I can weigh on that but for our time being I think we're pretty much out of time so um thanks again for being a guest with us today Hatian it was great thanks for inviting you. me yeah yes hope yeah. you come back another time yeah you Have were you great yeah, and uh, yeah so thanks for thanks to our folks who are uh, still with us at the end uh, for joining <laughs> another episode of Down Chat podcast And uh, we hope to see you back next time. So, peace. See you guys.